0: So I'm glad you're all here tonight. We're going to um, continue our walk through the book of Romans. And actually, I have to admit that I believe that the book of Romans, it contains one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Unfortunately, I don't get to speak about that one tonight, but... For me, Romans chapter 8 has been um, the cry of my heart, that I would be able to live out the truth that is unpacked in, in that entire chapter, because for me, Romans chapter 8 is the climax of the book of Romans, and, um, but what we're going to do tonight, we're going to continue our study through the book of Romans, and we're in Romans chapter 2. And the interesting thing about the book of Romans is if you read it in its entirety, it actually kind of reads almost like a legal document. Because Paul is a very well-educated man, and he understands the law. And so as we read through um, chapter 2 today, you need to understand that he is like a lawyer, and he is preparing a case. And he is building on this case. So um, the first thing that I wanted to tell you is I just wanted to kind of reiterate. It's probably already been said um, in the course of this teaching. But the major themes of the book of Romans, number one, is the theme of the gospel. In fact, um, Romans is the fullest explanation that we have in the entire Bible of the gospel. The word gospel simply means good news. And the good news is the revelation of God's Son. The good news is the wonderful message of Jesus. The good news is God's liberating power unleashed within us through Christ. It's the message of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. God acted in this world to rescue humanity from sin and from death. And Jesus, through his perfect life, and his death on the cross, his resurrection, that's how God manifested the gospel to us. I love what, what Apostle Paul says in, Roman, in Romans chapter 1. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has power in it. The gospel is explosive, and when it, and when it reaches the heart of somebody, it causes a change in that person's life for eternity. It causes their eternal destiny to change. And that's powerful. So we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel either. Another major theme that runs through the book of Romans is the love of God. The love of God flows through this book. It flows from the heart of God, and it flows through this book. And it's it's a beautiful theme throughout the entire book of Romans. Another um, theme that is in this book is salvation. And it, it really... When you, when you see how Paul explains it, and, and one of the things he's going to talk about tonight, is that salvation doesn't come by religious works. It comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And so our salvation is based on faith. It's through believing the good news of Jesus Christ. The other important term, and it's kind of like a legal terminology, is the, is the word justification. Justification. And justification is also an important theme. You'll, you, you especially start to see it in Romans chapter 5. And it's, it's a legal term and it means to acquit. So basically, Jesus paid our debt and now God declares us not guilty because of, because of the price that he paid on the cross. So it's another a beautiful long word um, that's a legal term in this book. The other thing that is revealed in this book is the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God really goes in combination with justification. God is righteous, and this is an amazing truth. We are made right with God. We are righteous when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And and it's like his righteousness is transferred to us when we we, uh, put our faith in him. It's like a divine transaction that happens. And then... um, The last couple ideas that are unpacked in the book of Romans, Paul talks a lot about the law. He he talks a lot about the law all throughout the, especially the first um, few four chapters, especially of the book of Romans. And then in chapter 8, he talks about the difference between living by the flesh and living by the spirit. And that's why I love chapter 8 so much, because it really is the key to living the Christian life. And finally, he talks about um, Israel's, um, destiny, um, mainly in, in, in chapters 9 through 11. The fascinating thing about Paul is that God specifically designed him. He, he prepared him and he qualified him for the purpose for which he called him. And I love what it says in Philippians chapter 3. In fact, we're going to read it before we dive into Romans. I just want to, I, I want you to get a glimpse of Paul's heart and who this man is. So if we look at Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to start um, with verse 3. And it says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Concerning righteousness, which is, in the law, blameless. This guy's credentials are impeccable. He was a Hebrew of Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. They say that back in the day, um, a lot of the kids who grew up in the the Jewish faith, they memorized the first five books of the law, um, of of the Bible. So this guy, he knew the law, and he was zealous about keeping the law. And he was zealous about getting rid of Christians before he became a believer. And the thing that I love about what he says here is he's talking about circumcision. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because tonight you're going to hear a lot about circumcision. And so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, but mainly the idea is this. There are two groups of people on the earth. There are the Jews who are considered the circumcision And then there are the Gentiles who are considered, they're they're not of the circumcision. And the reason why the Jews refer to themselves as, as a circumcision is because back in the day when God made a covenant with Abraham, he told Abraham, I want you to circumcise your sons on the eighth day. And so Paul here is saying, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised the eighth day. I know the law. And, and so here's this man, I love what it says after this, it says, but all of those things, I count them as rubbish, I count it as trash, I don't care about any of that, I just want to know Christ, I want to know him, and so I, I love Paul's heart, and so, of course, Paul's the one who wrote the book of Romans, and so now we're going to dive into, um, into tonight, And so, if you will open your Bibles with me, we're going to go into. um, Actually, before we do that, let's do some table talk. So, I'm going to put two questions up. Number one why might unbelievers view Christians as hypocrites? And name two ways God has changed your heart, which might include your mind your emotions, or your attitude. So discuss those two things at your table for a few minutes. Why do unbelievers maybe look at Christians as hypocrites, number one, and how has God changed your heart? Have about five minutes. Okay, so um, what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna. The reason I brought up these two particular um, questions is because they have a lot to do with the, with the portion of scripture that we're gonna unpack tonight, and it's very interesting. If you look at the previous verses leading up to the portion we're gonna talk about, God is basically saying, um, the Gentiles deserve my wrath, and these are the reasons why: they're idolatrous and they're sinful. And God sees sin, and it's very destructive. It's like cancer in our soul, and it's killing us. And that's why God hates sin so much. And so he says he's going to bring judgment against that sin. And he says, and the reason why the Gentiles are guilty is because I put a conscience. And so you know right from wrong. Even if, you've ne- if you don't know the law and you don't know Scripture, your conscience tells you what's right and wrong. Then he goes on. Now he's going to come on and he's going to tell the, the Jews. And there's no excuse for you either. And that's basically what, he's, what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 17, and you will see the title of this portion in my Bible, it says, the Jews guilty as the Gentiles. So the Gentiles are guilty for their sinful behavior and their idolatry. Now we're going to find out why the Jews are guilty. And so look with me at verse 17, and this is what it says. Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. And so there you see Paul's basically saying to the Jews, okay, you guys, you think you're something, right? Yeah, God gave you the law, and you know his will. Like, you know right from wrong. So you guys think that's enough for you, and you think, oh, you know, we're going to help, you know, we're going to be, we're going to help lead the blind. We're going to be guides to them. We're going to teach the other people and we're going to show them the light, right? But Paul is it is right now he's going to knock them off their high horse. So, we're going to go into the the next part of that and he says to them in verse in verse 22 he says you who say Wait, I think I skipped verse 21. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And then verse 24, "For for the name of God is blaspheme, among the Gentiles, because of you, as it is written. So here's where that word hypocrisy comes in. And the strange thing is that Paul is basically accusing them. And sorry, Mom, I'm going to say this, but I don't know if the rest of y'all heard this when you were kids, but my, mom, my parents used to say this Do what I say, not what I do. You, got, you guys ever hear that? And I remember being a kid, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, but basically, basically that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, you, you can't preach to the, the Gentiles and tell them not, steal, not to steal when you're over here robbing from God, right? You can't tell the Gentiles not to worship idols and you got a few in, in, in your tent. You know what I'm saying? And so he's saying, don't be hypocrites. And in fact, it's really interesting to me. You know, when you study the when you study the life of Jesus, um, it's very fascinating because I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the people that Jesus really goes off on are the Pharisees. You she, you see him show compassion, you sh, you see him show mercy and kindness to everybody else around. But when the Pharisees show up on the scene and they're conniving and they're looking for a way to trick him, he gets mad at them. And I, I want you to see what he says in, in Matthew chapter 23. I think I, I messed up the side slides probably. I think I probably went out of order. But here's Matthew 23, and this is verses 1 through 5. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do but do not do according to their works for they say and do not do for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders but they themselves will not move one will not move them with one of their fingers but their works they do to be seen by men they make phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. And then there's a couple more verses um, from Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out the gnat and swallow the camel, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. So here, basically, Paul is saying the same thing that Jesus was telling the Pharisees. Look, you guys think, oh, because you know the law. You think because you tithe. You think because you do all these outward rituals that I'm happy with you. But it, it's fascinating. In the book of Isaiah, he said, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And God hates that. God, God hates it when we put on a show When we dress up and go to church and we pretend like we're something that we're not. As a matter of fact, you know that word hypocrite. It actually comes from Greek theater, and it means actors. You're being an actor. You're playing a role. You're pretending you're something that you're not. Don't do that. Because really with God, it's an inside job. He wants a heart change. He's looking for people who want to love him and worship him and obey him. And yeah, we're not perfect. And yeah, we're going to make mistakes. It's not about being perfect. But it's about, it's about having a heart change. And that's really what the point that Paul is trying to get to here. He's saying, don't tell the Gentiles to do something. Don't be a bad testimony to the Gentiles. Say one thing out of this side of your mouth and do the exact opposite over here. Don't do that. And and so Paul is basically saying, so you Gentiles, don't think, oh, because you know the law of Moses, and oh, because you obey certain rituals, and you do certain things, you wash your hands a certain way, and blah, blah, blah. Like, God doesn't care about that. He's after your heart. Let's look at the next part of the scripture in Romans chapter 2. We're going to go down to verse 25. And it says... For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law. Verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29 is the key. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So basically, again, Paul is doing his lawyer thing. He's going, look, if you just keep the law, but then you don't obey. If, if you know the law, but you don't obey the law, like even though you're a Jew, who cares if you've been circumcised? Like it doesn't matter because you don't care about the law. And if someone who hasn't been circumcised is keeping the law, then they're more like a Jew than you are because they're keeping the law like and so basically the whole idea that Paul is going after her here is he's saying circumcision has to do with the heart it's an inside job this isn't about you know whether you whether you do certain rituals this is about what what's what's in your heart and i think this is a really important um Key, and you see this principle all throughout the scriptures. God is very much interested in our hearts. And um, I, love what, I love what he said about David back in the Old Testament. Um, he said this. Samuel was going to, um, Samuel was going to go and he was going to anoint, he was going to anoint David as the king. And this is First um, Samuel chapter 16, and this is verse seven, and it says, "But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at his physical appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see man, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance." But the Lord, He looks at the heart. And, and I think that's really important that we understand that whole idea, is that God is really after our heart. He's after our hearts. He's not after us looking good on the outside. He's after like what's going on in your heart? Do you have a heart that is willing to admit it when you made a mistake? Do you have a heart that is willing to obey God when He tells you to do something hard? Um, and so I, I, love, I love what the Apostle Paul is saying here because really, um, and I know you've heard this before, but really it is an inside job. God really is more concerned with your heart and what's going on inside your heart than, it, than, he, than he cares about you know, whether you, you know, have perfect attendance at church or whether you tithe every month. Those things are important too. But really, he cares about, he cares about our, your heart more than anything. And I love what it says in the book of James. If you look at James chapter 1 and verse 22, um, James says this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer... He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in all he does." And so I think this kind of captures the idea that Paul is trying to get across to the Romans. He's saying, look, the Gentiles, you guys, are, you guys are blowing it because you are sinning left and right. And Jews, you think that because you're circumcised, because you're a Jew, and that because you know a little bit about what Moses taught you from the law, you think that that's enough for you. But basically he's going... God doesn't care about that. God cares about the circumcision of your heart. And so I just wanna, I just want to spend a little bit of time tonight. Um, maybe we could spend some time praying for each other because I'm actually done, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, I don't think you um, need to drag it out and, you know on and on and on, but um, I, I think it'd be really cool to just maybe pray for each other or if there's a specific need at someone's table um, to just spend a little bit of time praying for each other and I know um, I know for I know in my personal life I know that the times that, that God has changed me the most is when I have surrendered my heart and I've said Lord here's my heart the good, the bad and the ugly it's yours do with it what you want change me heal me transform me and when I've done those things God has really showed up and he's been faithful to do that and so um, why don't you just spend a few minutes um, praying for each other at your tables and then um, I'll close it up at the end in about five minutes I'll close it up with a with a prayer and then we'll call it a night Father, I just thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your word, that it's living and operative and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you would do open art surgery on every single one of us and that you would do a circumcision, not made with human hands, but you would circumcise our hearts. You would heal our hearts. You would cause our hearts to be whole. You would cause us to know you and to seek you and to love you and to worship you. We just praise you and thank you for your word and we just ask lord that your word would produce a harvest in our lives that we would indeed be doers of the word and not just hearers only show us how to put your word into practice cause your light to shine through us cause your love to flow from us we just thank you so much for this evening we thank you for the amazing lives that you've given us we thank you for this community And we just ask, Father, that you would help us to go out of these doors and to love the world one person at a time. I pray, Father, for an increase in salvations, that many people in this city would be saved because of your love flowing in our lives. I pray, Father, that many lives would be transformed, that addictions would be broken, that relationships would be restored, that entire families would come to you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that you would have your way in our hearts and in our lives. We just worship you and we thank you. And I pray, Father, that as your sons and daughters go out into the workplace, that they would let their light shine there, too, and that people would come to know you because they are not ashamed of the gospel, but they share it because it's your power unto salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.